Good evening. Um, a little late, a little surprise podcast, but there's a lot of things that I wanted to talk about today. And so we're here. So on the on the agenda for today, I'm going to do a little bit of talking about International Women's Day uh, because it's a very important holiday to me. And it means a lot to me because of what I do here, some of the things that I talk about. And it's one of those, it's one of those holidays or one of those days of, of remembrance and awareness that I, I remember I was like gonna write this like anti-international women's day rant, right? And happy international uh, women's day to all of the women or my ladies, should I say, because it was yesterday. Um, but anyway, so I'm about to go in and write like this crazy, crazy rant about like what kind of nonsense is this? Like, who? Why we celebrate International Women's Day? There's not an International Men's Day. Like, what are we doing? And then I was talking to one of my friends, and she was like, "Ah, uh, you probably don't want to do that. You might want to do some research and talk about it." And what ended up happening was I did a bunch of research on it. And lo and behold, I end up putting out a show discussing International Women's Day, what it means, the history, so on and so forth. So, hey, man, thanks to this holiday for, for, for helping me learn some things about our history and, and, and becoming a better advocate for women. So on that let's not confine our love for women to International Women's Day. Let's not uh, confine our appreciation for the women in our life to International Women's Day. Let's take the next step and make life better for women so that we don't have to have these conversations every time this holiday comes up or every time an event happens. You know, it takes me to to, to the people um, in the Me Too movement, right? And I think the Me Too movement was so powerful in the sense that it raised awareness about a lot of issues that existed in culture. But not only did it raise awareness about issues, it helped people become aware that their behavior was problematic. Now, I'm not going to talk about the difference in, in, in how we treat all of these cases, because I think each case deserves a different, a, a different process, right? Like they all should be lumped in together just because someone uh, has an, uh, makes an allegation about behavior. All should be heard and properly investigated, yes, but they should not be lumped together because there is a difference between misreading a sign and inappropriately touching somebody and having or in sexually assaulting somebody, like actually raping someone, having sex with someone who doesn't want to have sex, right? I think those are things that should be separated. But the thing is, here, here, here's my here's my thing. There's a population of human beings post Me Too who haven't changed their behavior. And you guys are the problem here. It's one thing to be ignorant to bad behavior to to harmful behavior but it's another thing for that behavior to be put on a a international stage and you hear it and you ignore it like the stuff the the allegations that have came against 
um, Governor Cuomo in New York. Come on, dude. You just have to know better. You have to know better in the position of power that you're in with the climate that we currently live in today. You have to know that maybe this was okay 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even five years ago. But it's not okay today. And to act like it's okay or just to come out and deny these these, these allegations, I get that you're going to go, there's going to be an investigation and you're going to let the due process carry itself out. But if this behavior is true behavior, then, I mean, it's, it's just a sad day for society because it, it, it's just like racism. You know, you have the people who were guilty of unconscious biases, right? Had no idea that their behavior was racist. Well, you have somebody like me who, who used to be told that I was a, you're the whitest black guy I've ever met. Why? Because I pronounce my words properly. I make good grades and stuff like that because I'm an intelligent being. And, and, I, and I don't, I don't have my pants hanging halfway off my ass. Got it. Now I know that's not okay because now we're draw, we're, we're setting a bar at what is being presentable, what is acceptable as white. Obviously, that's not that's dismissive of any other race, you know. So similar with this with this Me Too thing, once you find out that your behavior is is wrong or even questionable. It is now on you to change that behavior because that's the difference between a, I don't know, a, a ignorant individual who is guilty of unacceptable behavior and the difference between an actual predator. So for this International Women's Day, I know I'm a day late, for this International Women's Day, here's what we have to do as, as men. We have to be better men to the women. We have to listen to them. We have to engage in conversations and we have to ask questions. If we have exhibit behavior that we don't think is okay, or we don't even know it's okay, ask the question because you don't want to be the ignorant individual guilty of bad behavior. And then allowing that behavior to turn you into a predator. But let's get to the stuff that I want to talk about today. Hey, 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 it's the big baby. And I'm back. I'm sorry, East Coast. I'm I'm recording 9.15. I know some of y'all probably in the bed or with your families and doing all of that stuff. I usually try to hit a little bit earlier, but, you know, I was prepping and I was living my life. And now I'm finally recording. So let's talk about Megxit. You know, the Oprah interview was on Sunday. I didn't catch it live. I was watching uh, the All-Star game. And there's a lot of bombshells in that interview, man. It was so much going on in that interview. And I want to give a special thanks to one of my good friends, Joshua Holsey, because I was talking to him and another group of guys about the interview, right? And and for one, they hadn't watched it and they weren't terribly interested in it. And it was like, I don't care about their lives. It's irrelevant to me. I don't understand why people care about them. And I go, yeah, but there is so much more in that interview than just all the crazy stuff that's going on in their lives. OK, so for me personally, that changed my approach to preparing for this show. Because I was going to go down each of my notes from what I took from the interview 
and talk about how it made me feel. But that conversation made me go to the second and third level of what I pulled out of the interview to bring some bigger topics here. All right. I'm not going to talk too much about the racist stuff that came out of the interview, not because I, I don't think it should be talked about, but it's going to be interwoven into some of the other themes here. But if you look at a family and the first black person, multiracial person that enters into that family is in the two, like 2017, 2018, whenever they got married. If you see that, that tells you all you need to know about the family, okay? They are the royal family. Oh, the royal family. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we would never taint our blood with brown. You know, I, you know, they, that, when you see that, it's like, okay, you should expect it. Rich white people in power. And, and, and I mean, that's, I use this term power loosely because if you know anything about uh, 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 the, the British monarchy, they don't have true political power as far as the process goes. We have a prime minister and a parliament who does that. So here we go. I, first thing, Meg the American. What I loved so much about the interview is that Meghan Markle just really showed the difference between her American upbringing, her American sensibilities, and those of someone who is from the UK. I also like the fact that she was by herself to start the interview because I think she was able to, to be a bit more vulnerable with Oprah and not worry so much about what Harry might say or think when she's saying certain stuff that maybe he was not as comfortable as she is getting out because at the end of the day, it is his family, right? But let's get back to Megan, Megan the American. And she, when she spoke to meeting the queen for the first time and how she didn't know how to curtsy, it's like, yeah, brother, it's America. We don't curtsy. You know? Uh, uh, and, and not only was she not unaware of many of the, the traditions there, outside of trying to fit in and make things work for her husband and eventual family, she didn't really care. And not didn't care from a disrespectful point of view. It's just like, if you're saying this way is right, then you're saying my way is wrong. I don't know about that. And I think that her American perspective was very important to getting them to where they are today. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more as we go on in this conversation. But it's something to think about. And you hold on to that Americanism because not only was she an American, who didn't care about these traditions. She was someone who, who had her own shit. You know, she didn't, she didn't necessarily need the royalty. Not necessarily. She didn't need the royalty to be famous. I, I mean, honestly, I wish she could have stayed on suits and maybe we, that show would still be on right now. So because of that, she's going into the relationship from a place of power. And power in the sense that, look, I don't need y'all. I don't, I can go make my own money. I can, I'm already rich. I'm living my good life. And, and because she came from, like, she talked about working, working jobs. 
and being like a, a waitress type job and then like getting her first job at 13 and then, you know, working her way through school and acting and all of that stuff. You know, I got my own celebrity. I, I don't need to be wearing no crowns and, 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 and being this fictitious leader. But the big thing about it is that she didn't treat these humans as if they're deities. And I think as a as as human beings, we tend to give people in positions of power entirely too much respect. And not respect in the sense that we're going to just talk crazy to them or around, but in the sense that we hold them above the standard of humanity. We treat them like they are gods, lowercase g. And they're not. They are humans. They're human beings. They're people, right? So when it came time to go through this process, this grueling process that she went to through trying to assimilate into this culture, she didn't view those people the same way that those around her did. Because some people like, it's the queen. It's the royal family. It's like, all right, yeah, bro. It's my, this is my boyfriend's grandmama. This is my boyfriend's family. And because I didn't grow up in this culture, I know that they're royalty, but I don't even know what that means because of the American experience with Great Britain. We as a country wanted to be as far away from having the, the appearance of, of, of royalty in our making. Now I can talk about how we say we don't have it, but we really do. But again, that's, that's, that's a different conversation for a different day. So because she did not deify these people, uh, you know, it was like, whatever, bro, I don't need you. I don't have to have you. And what I've seen in some of the backlash is that we have people defending institutions over people. Right. And it's something that I'm seeing here in, in America as well. I, I see it all over. And sometimes I'm guilty of it, too. We want to defend the big institution, whether it's the government, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a team. And we see that they're treating the individuals that make up that institution wrong. But when the people who are in it and live in it call it out. We want to tell them they're wrong and they got to trust the system. It's like, hold on. The system is broken. The system is flawed. The system ignores me and it ignores you. Why are you defending this system? You know, Megan found herself in a situation where her system, her situation wasn't hearing her out. You know, she's like, hey, man, look, HR, I'm going through some stuff. I need somebody to talk to, you know, little suicidal thoughts. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know what to tell you. And that takes me to my next point, where there's a lot of silence and tradition, there's a lot of problems. When the reason is we do this, because that's the way we've always done it, you probably have a problem. When you're always going back on tradition and traditions aren't changing, you have to know that the behavior is outdated. Because we are more brilliant people Every, every generation after generation. Am I wrong? I think that with the advances in technology, advances in our thoughts, we are better human beings than we were 50 years ago, 
I don't think human beings are milk. I think human beings are, are, are more like wine, you know, as, as, as time, as there's more and more time that passes by, we evolve and grow and become better. And if I'm wrong, I, I think I'll be getting wet right now because it's raining outside, but I'm indoors. Okay. So with the traditions of royalty, the thoughts of towards royalty and towards those who are not of that ilk. Come on, man. How do you think they see them? Uh, just this American actress, oh, this little black American actress trying to, you know, come to our family, take it over. Trying to change Harry's ways of thinking. You know, trying to open his eyes to stuff that maybe he didn't care as much about. I don't know, but it has to be something. It's not nothing. And then you see they tried to quiet her. And anytime you're trying to keep somebody quiet, you have to know that what you're doing is wrong. Because why not be an open book? Why say, hey, don't read the tabloids? Okay, maybe it's probably good for her not to read the tabloids because uh, you don't know what they're saying. And that got to be awful for your mental health. It's just like, hey, don't read your mentions. If you are a public figure and you speak a lot, you put a lot of stuff out there, you probably don't want to read your mentions. You probably don't want to read the comments because if you consume so much of that negative energy on and on, it's going to take a toll on you. And we see that now, man. How many people that are in the limelight, uh, actors, actresses, singers, dancers, um, athletes who talk about how depressed they are because of what they hear about themselves and how they have this negative view of who they are and what they do because they see the hate more than they more than they see the love. Because it's easy to tell somebody, oh, man, this is trash. Oh, this is stupid. Than it is to say, oh, I love this. I like you. And then she couldn't go outside, man. They told her, hey, Meg, Megan, you Stay in the house. You're getting too much uh, airtime. You you, you can't go outside. And she's, I haven't left in four months. What does that tell you? They're trying to keep her quiet. They're trying to keep her sheltered because maybe they're embarrassed. Or maybe they're afraid that because she's not of them, she's going to reveal to the world who they are. Good foreshadowing, by the way, because she did. And then lastly, when you hear about the palace hosting the tabloids for their Christmas parties. That's all you need to know. You have the palace in the media's pocket, the pe the media in the palace's pocket. And, and, and there are words to the effect that they have to massage those relationships because there are things that they don't, that they want to protect. And we all know that people pay to protect stories. People cultivate relationships in order to protect stories and to manipulate the, the narrative, right? And I think it's important to focus here on the media manipulation. Because it's not just a British thing. I mean, we talk about it all the time here on this platform that the media has their own agenda and the media is going to push their agenda. And one of the biggest issues with media companies is that they are pushing their agenda and not providing information to the people. Now, if you're an opinionist like myself, all right, you provide opinions, not facts. Your opinions are based off of facts and your experiences, and that's cool. But you got to put that disclaimer out there because if you're reporting, right, if you're talking like it's journalism and it's not journalism, it's actually 
opinions, you're misleading the people. If you're purposefully omitting stories, omitting facts from stories to paint a certain narrative, then you're doing the people a disservice. And what Meghan Markle did was she exposed the issues of racism, of classism, of just an outdated way of thinking, right? And she just gave it to the world. And now you have these people coming out and defending her, uh, defending the, the, the crown, the, 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 the queen, the monarchy, Buckingham Palace. Why? Because that's what they believe. They believe in the institution and not the people, and they are the problem. We have to get out of this mindset of, 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 of defending institutions that don't give a damn about us. Defend the people who, who, who do. And that's how Meghan Markle was doing. She just wanted to tell her story. The tabloids have been telling stories for years and they weren't true. She just wanted to tell her truth. Can we knock her for that? I don't think so because I feel like a lot of us, if we were in a situation where people are constantly talking about us, saying things about us that aren't true, painting a false narrative of who we are and what we stand for, we're going to come out and eventually say something. I see it every day on Facebook. People say, I don't do that Facebook drama. I don't do that myth. I ain't going back and forth. Yeah, until it's you, until you're put in it. Oh, I know who I am. Yeah, you know who you are. But when people start treating you differently based off things that are not true about you, it makes you feel some type of way. If you don't feel something, you're not human. You're different. We are not the same. You are a Martian. You are something. You are a robot. I don't know what you are, but you're not a human being because human beings have feelings and emotions. And I don't care if you hate me for who I am. Just don't hate me for who I ain't. And what was happening was people, people who had good relationships with the tabloids were putting out stories and turning people against someone for who she wasn't based on what I take away from it. But I think the most important part that I pulled out of this interview was the importance of changing your worldview. And more importantly, having people in your life that force you to constantly change your worldview and evolve. You can't stay locked into your traditions, your belief set, everything that you were raised on your entire life. You have to grow up and be your best self, not your best not, not your parents' best kid. No, your best you. I love my parents. Love them to death. But they have values and beliefs and ways of doing things that I don't subscribe to. And I shouldn't subscribe to everything that my parents believe. I wouldn't be a human. I have to take what they gave me, take the life that I've lived and the life that I continue to live and add to it so that I provide a better tool set for those that I come in contact with and for my children. And here's why it's important to change your worldview, because Oprah asks, Harry, do you think you would have left if, if uh, you hadn't married Megan? Like, no. And he talked about his father being trapped. He talked about his brothers being trapped, right? And the reason why these people are trapped, because this is all that they know and they don't know any better. You know, people talk about the trap, right? And 
it's and it's a trap because you you you're, you're there if you're living that life nine times out of ten you feel like you're trapped in it. There are levels of traps all over the world, and oftentimes we 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 focus on the negative because we want to talk about people who need people who don't have. We want to help those people out, or at least give off the perception that we want to help those people out. But there are those who are privileged who are also trapped. They have those pressures of living up to what their family is or what their family was, who their dad is, who their mom was. Oh, you know, his uncle went to Harvard, so he has to go to Harvard. No. And also that happens to our belief set. Because if you have an unpopular opinion, an unpopular belief, it's hard to talk about that with people you care about. It's hard to have those those tough, cutting conversations with the people that you love. It's hard to find out that one of your childhood friends is racist. It's hard to find out that some of your family members may be racist. It's hard to find out that the people you love the most, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, your grandfather may have some of the most ignorant and out-of-date beliefs of anyone you've ever met. And you find yourself as someone who fights against these beliefs in your in your outside of your house, outside of your family unit, to the people you don't know, to the masses, and then you got to bring that back home and say, ooh. Look, family, I don't really like this. I think y'all are wrong. The way that y'all are treating these people, the way you're treating me, the way you're treating my family is absolutely wrong. And from what that interview said, that that's, appears to be what Harry tried to do. And then what happened to him? He got cast aside. And yes, he chose to leave the royal family. But did he really? What was the other option? What was the other option? So, they, they, I mean, they cut his money, for God's sake. And now they're saying, oh, he's doing, doing all of this stuff just to make money. Well, shit. You took away all the, you took away what he, what he had going for him. He still got to eat. He still got to feed his family. He still has a lifestyle that he wants to live with his wife and kid. And now his next kid, you know, he, he deserves to make money. I just can't defend him a little bit too much, but a good partner. It's so important that if you're going to have a partner, to have a partner that pushes your limits, because I'm telling you, your partner will open your eyes to some of the BS that your parents taught you. Because you get someone who gets to watch you in that environment and watch them in that environment. And then you get to have those intimate conversations with someone that you care about and cares about you and met you at a different place in life and be like, you don't act like this when I'm around you. You don't accept this behavior when I'm around you. Why do you accept it from them? And then you're like, I didn't, my, you know, you don't even realize that you're guilty of allowing issues that you, 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 you fight against. And he spoke about not being aware of, of, of unconscious bias and how Megan helped him find that. And, and, and it's great. That's what you want to see. But my biggest thing 
I want to take away from the, I want you to take away from what I took away from this interview is right. It's great to be an American. And people even, and, and, and there was words about how this has embarrassed the royal family. Americans are going to think the royal family is racist. Let me tell you something. We don't give a shit about the royal family. We barely care about our politicians that we vote for. You think we give a damn about some family that's the, the, the in royalty because of their bloodline, but they don't really have power, and we don't even really know that because we don't care about British history? Give a damn about that family? Most of us don't even care about our next-door neighbors. Why would we care about some family in some country that we don't live in? We don't. But next. Silence and tradition. Be afraid of silence and tradition because if people are being a little too quiet or they always falling back on tradition, expect there to be some bad behavior followed by it. And then lastly, the importance of changing your worldview. Constantly surround yourself with people who think differently from you, people who will challenge your beliefs, people who will expose you to things that you never thought about, things that you may have never seen before, people that you've never seen before. And uh, from my experience, it makes life a little bit better for you. But if you're mad at Harry and Megan for trying to clear their names, you're the problem. If you're going to go out here and act like that Candace girl, Candace, Candace, not Candace, not the homie Candace, the young queen Candace. No, 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 no. That Candace Owens girl. And, and you're going to ridicule somebody who was going through a tragic point of their life, a low point of their life, and say and, and say words to the fact that it's problematic for her to be suicidal while carrying a kid. Well, yes, it's problematic. I, absolutely, it's a problem. But to, to judge her, I, I can't get with. Did she do it? No. And 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 as a, as a parent, do you don't do, do you do we want people? committing suicide with kids in their body? No. Should you be happy to be bringing, bringing forward life, bringing new life with the person that you love? Absolutely. But that does not eliminate all the things that are going on around you that can have you in a low place. Two things can be true. You can be happy about being a parent and still be depressed about the life that you're living. I'm not a parent. I have not been put in that situation, but I can tell you that I've been in a very great space inside of my house, but a in a terrible space everywhere else. And that weight bearing down on you can get heavier than what you have picking you up at home. Another thing I found interesting from this Mexit interview, I shouldn't call it a Mexit interview because it's not the Mexit interview, but the, the interview with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, is that the people in the UK, when they watched this, they were bothered by the amount of pharmaceutical advertisements. And I read in a, in a post that advertising pharmaceuticals is actually illegal in, in Great Britain. And it's crazy that, or excuse me, the UK, but it's crazy to me that that the, the healthcare insurance, I mean, excuse me, the healthcare industry is a for-profit industry. You know, we, we've, we've uh, made so many different things public. 
I don't know if we want to make healthcare public. And I'm not speaking about just insurance because just because we have the public options with insurance, it doesn't change the way that the price works. But supply and demand in healthcare is crazy. It's absolutely crazy for the basic needs of healthcare for maintaining one's life. The fact that it benefits the haves and doesn't benefit the have-nots is crazy. We all should have access to the same type of healthcare. It's absolutely insane. This should not be a for-profit industry. I understand that the schooling it takes to get there is expensive, but we know there are ways to offset that. There are ways to incentivize it. And then maybe if we incentivize the education but put less incentive on the actual career path and we don't charge uh, students so much to go to these, these schools of higher learning, then we won't have as many people in it for greed, but we have people in it to take care of those who need it. And hey, man, I hope, I hope, I hope that they keep some good security for 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 Meghan Markle, man. Because you remember what happened last time? There was a a princess who um got a little bit bigger than the palace. All right, man. Let's talk about a little bit of race. I mean, you know, I hinted on race a little bit. But let's talk about sensitivity training. And I've seen some people upset about some some major companies conducting sensitivity training and, and speaking to telling their white people to be less white. And that's funny. And I was watching uh, Bill Maher over the weekend, and he was having this conversation with another panelist in Charlemagne the God. And, excuse me. The two white guys had no idea what it meant to be less white. And the black guy absolutely understood what it meant to be less white, but also what it means to be less black. And that sparked something for me. It's like, dang, I know actually how to be quote unquote less black. And for people, when we talk about white privilege, right? That's one of those things of white privilege. You don't even know what it's like to be less of your normal self in order to benefit professionally or benefit in the social circle because you never had to do it. You get to authentically be your normal self, speak mostly your normal dialect of English, and it's fine. It's totally fine. You don't have to be told that masking certain parts of your personality that are culturally specific to your upbringing is the thing to do in order for you to be taken seriously. I talked about it a little bit on the NFL hour and we're talking about quarterbacks and being quarterbackial and and the way that you're supposed to be corporate, this, that, and a third. I said, well, maybe that's the winning answer or maybe it's just something that has been there for so long that the numbers the numbers make it the right thing to do because the, there's not enough people who act differently that uh act that way so here's the thing you can't have racists conducting race sensitivity training you can't have 
racial sensitivity training conducted by people who don't actually understand what it is to be racially sensitive. Because telling someone to be less white or less black is racially insensitive. You have to find, for one, better words to use that actually describe what it means. Because now you're speaking, you're using a stereotype <laughs> to tell somebody to stop stereotyping people. I, I just don't think that's the one. It's like, hey, stupid. No, nah, I wouldn't. I was trying to think of a joke. I ain't got no joke, right? So here's what we do. For racial sensitivity training, what we have to do is we have to create a group of people from different walks of life, different colors, different races to come up with a plan. And in those conversations, you have to make sure that the people who are conducting the training are trusted by the people receiving the training. Because if I don't trust you, you're not going to come in here and tell me the way that I am is wrong. I'm going to be less likely to receive it. It's, it's just human behavior. So what you have to do is you, you have to get this group of people together and, and you have to speak to it from different levels. You have to educate those in power, particularly the white people, the, the, the behaviors that they need to unlearn. You know, we talk about unconscious bias. That's going to be one thing I'm going to keep coming back to here today because I think unconscious bias is one of the biggest things because you have somebody say, oh, I'm not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. And I say, bullshit. It's okay, though. If you have a few racist bones in your body, I'm not going to be mad at you. Just don't have too many. All right. You don't have a racist soul. So. You take those people and you and you have these conversations, right? You you talk about these things and you educate yourselves and one another so that now you're having a racial conversation. And you have to make it a safe space where people are comfortable sharing some of their biases, some of their false pretenses, so that you can get to growth. But to come in and say, hey, I'm gonna be less white here. Let's uh sag our pants a little bit, let's drink some little Hennessy, let's do some rap music on Fridays, huh? No, man, that's, that's, that's not it. No more Dockers. Hello, Dickies. <laughs> uh, we're not playing golf this weekend. We're playing basketball. <laughs> so, yeah, you actually have to be sensitive when you're conducting this training. It's like the, the blind leading the blind. You know, it's like the people who say, oh, I don't see color. You don't? Are you colorblind? I want you to see color. I want you to acknowledge my color. I just don't want you to treat me any differently because I got it. Okay? So, so I saw this funny meme. It was talking about people who don't see color, and then it was like somebody drinking a bottle of Flint water. You sure you don't see color? Because I like clear water. I don't want my water to look like beer. Now, I want my beer to look like beer and my water to look like water, but I don't want my beer to look like water and my water to look like beer. So we, we, we have to be sure that we are aware of what's going on. We're not being blind. We're not blind to the things around us that are wrong. We just take them 
head on. You know, and that's one of my issues with cancel culture is that we don't take issues head on. We want to get rid of it, hide it, say, oh, no, go away. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's not just send it away. This is not a criminal that we're sitting in the prison, which you know how I feel about that, too. It's this is somebody. This is an issue that needs to be addressed, talked about and 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 and, and rehabilitated. It's like, oh, this is affects my mental health. I'm going to shut this off. It's still going to affect your mental health when it comes back again. Like, you know, triggers are meant to be pulled, right? They just have to be properly aimed so you hit the target. So when your triggers get pulled, you have to be able to properly aim that trigger so it hits the target and it does not affect you and your mental health for an extended period of time, okay? And so then there was another conversation that was spun off of this conversation about reparations and the idea of reparations to to reimburse descendants, descendants of enslaved individuals is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. Some people will say, I was poor, my family was poor, we never owned slaves. Why in the hell should my tax dollars go to putting money in someone else's pocket who may have more than me? If you knew how much money you spent that goes to benefit somebody who doesn't give a damn about you and has more about you, you probably wouldn't be so bothered by it if you just took the time to think about that, right? But I know because it's reparations and it's giving black people money, it just hits people a different way. So if you just think about donating to a politician. All the stuff that happened in filthy, dirty Washington, all of the, the the money that gets passed around and kicked back, you know, you scratch my back here with this policy, I'll scratch your back here financially. We don't care about that. All of the money that is wasted by various branches of government, various, various institutions within the government, we don't care about that. I mean, it's easy to point to the F-35 as something that was, um, you know, those funds were, uh, you know, we overspent and we still haven't received what we what we wanted. Look at it that way. What's the problem? We bailed out. We bailed out the uh, the, the 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 car industry back in um, 08. We really have a problem with that. We 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 gave businesses money during COVID. We're giving we're still giving small businesses money during COVID through 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 the SBA. Um so I, I think that we give a lot of people money, but it's presented to us presented to us in a way that's palatable. And reparations for descendants of slaves isn't palatable. Now don't get me wrong, I don't think this is an easy fix, but I do think it's something that we need to continue talking about and we need to come up with an actual plan that works. Here's a few things that I have. Business grants, not business loans, business grants, okay? Give more black people, this is specifically descendants of slaves, more opportunities to start their own businesses, right? Help pour money into those communities so that they are no longer slums, they're no longer ghettos, and we build them up. Like, we're gentrifying all these damn communities. Why don't we take the money that is used to gentrify the communities. And I know these are private people making decisions, but let, hear me out. Let's let's find like 
create the gentrification plan, but instead of private people doing it, the the the, the, the local government uh, with fun, with funds from the federal government, right? Because that's where the money comes from. Is 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 given the opportunity opportunity to actually build up these communities, and private individuals have the opportunity to 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 they have they have first shot and then they have the grants so that they can you know build up their communities and own things and create that generational wealth let's look at home ownership one of the big things i saw another post about the difference in like the average income of a, a black family and a white family was like astronomically different and the biggest thing was home ownership hey man we give veterans the opportunity to buy homes with no with no cash down VA loan. Let's create a similar plan for descendants of slaves. And again, I know some of you may not like the rich getting an opportunity because there are rich black people who are descendants of slaves. And if we want to cut it off at something, I, I mean, maybe I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but if we're going to cut it off, then we cut it off. We we, may, we we list a cutoff if your net worth is this, this, or this. But I still think all descendants of slaves deserve something. I mean, Jesus Christ, you uproot us from where we are, bring us over here, treat us like shit for all these years, and then expect us to say, oh, hey, can I join your family? Like, come on, man, stop it. Forgiveness, man. Let's let's look at, at ways to... To forgive some debts and some, you know, like we again, we we bail out so many other people. Let's bail out people who were put in impoverished situations, and you know, they're they're, they're, they're still poor. Reeducation. I'm not saying that the 1619 project is the right answer, but I'm saying it is a, it is an answer, and 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 something like that is very important because I think that another part of breaking down some of these racial barriers is proper education. And we've been miseducated for so long that people build these negative views of people who are unlike them because they don't know any better. You have black people not even thinking that we are worth a damn, that we that don't not realizing our contributions to this country because the education is not given to us through our school. We send our kids to school to receive the education, but yet they don't get it. And with that education, it's building up the schools in, in our neighborhoods so that our kids have adequate classrooms, uh, classroom sizes, adequate resources, competent professionals who are there to actually see them grow and not people they're collecting a check. Again, I know that's hard. But, but but what I'm asking for is damn near a stimulus for the black community. And yes, should there be some cash put in people's pockets, bank accounts? Yes. But I think it's more important to create better infrastructure so that the money just doesn't go back into the economy. And now you've given, oh, yeah, we gave you reparations. Now you got to shut the hell up. Now we gave you reparations. But then the cycle repeats itself. You know, it's kind of like the movie Trading Places. You know, Eddie Murphy was on the street. And Dan Aykroyd was was living the life. They swapped places, and Eddie Murphy kept business going while Dan Aykroyd just kept finding himself on this rat wheel of issues. Okay, and what that movie shows us is that so many of us are a product of our environment. Do we have those who are who come from a good environment and just fuck it up? Yeah. Do we have those who come from bad environments and and 
an ascend? Absolutely. But for the most part, we are, you pretty much finish where you start. So what we have to do is we just have to increase the floor in the black community so that our floor isn't here, here out of the view of the camera, but it's up here for, so that there is a, you know, so that Americans have true equality of opportunity. Okay. And for those who say that it was so long, slavery was so long ago, you got to understand that you have Jim Crow, you have redlining, you just have all these disgusting conscious and unconscious biases, covert and overt racism that occurs that continually keeps black people struggling to advance. And all of those things are a part of this big problem that continues to affect our people. So the way that we do this reparations thing, it's not just putting a large sum of money in people's pockets, but it's providing education. It's providing opportunities. You, you know, it's, 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 it's telling people, hey, you actually don't make your money by saving it. You make your money by investing it and, and having it work for you. And I'm seeing more and more conversations happen like that in our community. And that's great. But there's still a bill of goods owed to the community for what's been done to us generation after generation. And I think that these programs that I laid out here are a step in the right direction. Here's another thing y'all can do as far as us spending money and investing in the black community is reviving the HBCU. I was sent a very interesting video this morning about, about, you know, HBCU football and how HBCUs really dominated as far as putting pro players in the league up until like the late, the late um, 70s, early 80s. Why? Because integration wasn't a thing. Black people couldn't play college football, so we had to go to these HBCUs. And the same thing with, with just normal students. We had to go to HBCUs, and that's why at one point the cream of the crop of, of, of Black America went through HBCUs. So with some of this reparation money, what we can do is actually invest in our HBCUs. You know, I remember when I was at Morehouse when um, Dr. Uh, Wilson took over as the president, one of the big things he talked about was building up the infrastructure there. He was like, why would top tier students want to come here? They would only want to come here for a tradition. And although the tradition of Morehouse College is amazing, I enjoyed my time there. There were a lot of inadequacies in the school that need to be addressed. And some of it is because of the people who are there, but a lot of it is because of the lack of resources. You know, you, we see some schools like FAMU or Savannah State who they'll, they'll go play against a Florida State or University of Florida, a big dog program and get their face beat in. Why? Because of the money that they receive for that. And so one way I think that we could revive our HBCUs, I think it starts like on the athletic front, it starts with basketball. The easiest way to, to, to build up these basketball, pro, uh, these, these programs and increase, increase the money flow is, bro, just get the good players to go there. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. We know how, the, how this game works. Give the schools a sponsorship, pour some money in there. 
it's easy to turn around a basketball. It's easier to turn around a basketball program than it is a football program. For one, you have the one and done culture. We get the Mikey Williams of the world who say that they want to go to HBCUs if we actually get them going to HBCUs and we funnel them there, that's going to bring more eyes, more revenue to the school. And then you can build your program from there. But again, the shoe companies, we're going to need your help. Then from the football point of view, I think that what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State is going to create a blueprint that can help build back up HBCU football. Because if you get a Dion in there, he has the access to, to, to more resources than your average coach does. He knows more people. He works for the NFL Network. You know, he can get he can get in contact with any coach, any organization in the league as a Hall of Famer and an NFL analyst. Okay. And guess what Primetime can do? He can sit down in anybody's living room and tell them why he can benefit their son more than some of these other coaches can. So if you have more NFL greats coming back down and coaching at these HBCUs, using their resources to get better facilities, you know, because the facilities thing matters. Get better assistant coaches, better training staffs, you know, uh, uh, um, better diet options. Then you get the good kids wanting to go there because guess what? People go to Alabama because you go pro. And if your goal is to go pro, who am I to stop you from going to Alabama and saying you got to come build up uh, Hampton? You got to come build, build up Howard. You got to come build back up Grambling. I would be doing a black man a disservice because he may not get the opportunity to get the millions that he deserves as a football player. Because guess how many we have so many busts. The NFL is half the league is undrafted. So it's not always about where you go to, to get there and be great. But I'm telling you, if you come from the right place, you get the benefit of the doubt and you get a contract. Look at Matt Castle. Matt Castle had a pretty long NFL career and went from he did not start a game in college. But what happened? He went to USC. He backed up Matt Liner. So I was like, oh, you couldn't beat him out? Okay, that makes sense. But you got the USC, you got the, the skill set, so we're actually looking. But do you think that uh, a, a scout's going down to, to Grambling every, to look at their backups? No. But I think that that's a step to revive the HBCU. And then as far as the academic piece goes, hey, government, run up some check. Run up some check so we can, you know, Build up our, our so we can have better STEM programs. Run us some check. Incentivize top-notch professors so they actually come back and, and, and teach at these institutions. Let let's have let's yeah let's just pay them more. You know, government just subsidize what what the school can't pay and and, and make it competitive because that's the problem. To have the the rich get richer and those who don't they can't even el- continue to elevate because there's just a finite amount of resources, and when there's a finite amount of resources, you're going to have people reach and reach and grab because the ones up top can get more than those at the bottom. It's like it's like during this pandemic, we saw the stock market booming while we saw unemployment at record highs. Why? The rich got richer, the poor got poorer. And the same thing is happening in, in schools, and I think that if that's a way 
to revive the HBCU. Just create more programs, funneling, funneling top students there and top professors there, but the top students need to see the results from the schools in order to actually want to go. Because guess what? Ain't nobody trying to stay in no raggedy building and eat some bullshit food. But you only can spend what you have. All right. Next, let's talk about raising awareness. I think raising awareness to issues is really important, but I think that creating the conversation and, and putting actions behind awareness is way more important. So I saw something interesting. Space Jam, right? Because so much awareness has been raised about the way we view women and over-sexualization of, of, of things in society, you see Lola Bunny have a totally different physique. I don't have an issue with that. And then also you see Pepe Le Pew removed from the movie. Now, I think they could have probably just recast it. You know, they could have changed Pepe's character, just like they had changed Lola's character, but I'm not going to lose sleep over that. But hey, awareness was raised, but then action followed, right? But I think we're starting to have too many national this day, national that month, uh, let's let's do this to raise awareness about this, that, and, and like, hold on. Awareness has been raised, but what the hell are you going to do? To tell people, oh, you know, breast cancer is, is, is alive and well in America. Yeah, we know. Coronavirus is alive. Yeah, 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 we know. Racism is alive. Yeah, 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 we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awareness has been raised to those issues. Now, if it's a new issue, raise all the awareness you want. But if it's an existing issue that we know about, I don't need no damn month. I don't need no damn day to raise no awareness. What I need, what I need are people changing their hearts and their minds. What I need is a paradigm shift, not no damn awareness. Because I'm aware that everything ain't good. I'm aware that there are things going on in the world that are messed up. I'm aware of it. But some things I, I I care about, some things I don't. So let's 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 care, let's care like damn awareness. What, what what does that actually do? All it does is make you feel better. You just say, oh well, I I've done my piece. I went to the to the peace rally. I marched in the streets. I posted on Instagram that I am against this. Well, what the hell did you do? Are you actually are you against it really? Or are you are you are you living a life that's against it? Or are you just going to let people know you just want your participation trophy? You want your sticker so you can put on your shirt when you leave school like, hey, mommy. Hey, mommy, I was a good boy today. I raised awareness. But damn about your awareness. Hell. I'm aware of a lot of things. You're aware of a lot of things. But what, but, but what are you? What are you changing? So if you're only raising awareness to pat yourself on the back, to put your, your, your A-plus test on your refrigerator, put your sticker on your chest, man, just shut up and do something. All right. Last topic of the day. Let's talk about the family hustle. Now, if you know me, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Clifford Harris as the voice of Black America. Voice of the trap, creative trap music, you got it, T.I. 
but yeah <clears throat> let me talk about some of my let me talk about some of my issues with the black media especially hip-hop media we pick and choose who we want to elevate and denigrate based on how we feel about them right We constantly see Meek Mill participate in nonsensical behavior, but we don't really kill him for it because we like Meek. Y'all like Meek. T.I., he's, you know, he's, he's, he's successful. He's on TV with his family. Got the businesses. When something bad happens, oh, he's the first to come out and say, we are not going to have this and justice is coming expeditiously. Well, look like justice is coming for your ass expeditiously. The hip hop stuff that I've listened that I listen to, they're quiet about Ti. And here's the thing: Do I want to see everything that he's built go away? Not if he's innocent, but. When you got that many allegations, it kind of makes me just wonder, oh, tell what you doing? You put your tip in place, you ain't got no business putting it in. So for those who don't know, uh, years, uh, uh, T.I. and his wife, Tiny, and some people in their inner circle are, are being accused of, of drugging and having sex with... Um, with some people and even one person was like 17. So like, that's what they're doing. They're having crazy wild sex parties. Now, if you're into the crazy wild sex parties, have at it. I am not the one to stop you from doing what's fun for you. If that's fun for you and it's consensual, do you boo boo have a great time? Cause you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do in my bedroom. So I'm not going to tell you what to do in your bedroom. Obviously, with consent and stuff like that's 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 understood for this conversation but i just see that it's been so quiet about about ti and it's and it's somewhat bothersome again i'm not saying that we got to lock him up and and say he's guilty because we don't know but it definitely beckons the conversation it's something we should raise awareness about we want to raise awareness about any and everything else but when something actually hits home we don't want to raise awareness about it. Why? Why? Because we don't want to see the people that we care about as bad people. Because if you're my age, you've you've had Ti in your life for the majority of it. You 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 had uh, uh um, dang, you know you had uh, uh boys. Damn, what's that song called? Dope boys. There we go. Dope boys in the trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you got 20 folds. You got the uh 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 the, the verse on never scared. Oh my god, one of the best feature verses ever. You got bring him out, you got all of this great music. You've watched him on TV with his kids and, and, and his wife, and you grew to love the family. But meanwhile, there was a dark side that wasn't happening on TV, and just like Uncle Bill, Bill Cosby. When you put on that persona of of the family man, and and it, it's almost like you're overcompensating for your demons in your closet. 
We talked about it earlier, tradition and privacy. If it's too much privacy going on, it's probably a problem. And I just think we have to be fair with these people. Just because I like you does not mean that I cannot talk about your issues. I cannot. Like, I can definitely say, hey, that's wrong. You should be better. And I should do that. But for one, I don't particularly like T.I. because I don't know T.I. I don't know Tiny. But if they are guilty of these sex crimes, then, man, uh, y'all going to counsel, folks. But can't play bring them out no more before the basketball game. No more escape. No more little secrets and keeping it. See, see, Tiny, you that was your little secret, and that's how y'all should have kept it. But y'all didn't keep it a secret. Because y'all was doing shit y'all didn't have no business doing, allegedly. But it also brings me to, man, we got some, there's a sick sexual culture in this world. You know, I saw a post talking about not using the word pedophilia anymore to describe people guilty of child sex crimes to say it's not all abuse. Yes, it is. Having sex with kids is, kids is abusive. I, and I don't... I don't know how we break away from this terrible, terrible sex culture we're in. You know, not to get too biblical. But, you know, when the talks of sex supposing to be between two people who have decided to give their lives to one another, it makes a lot of sense. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a virgin and I'm not married. So let's just put that out there for the sake of this conversation. Right. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm preaching. I am preaching something that I'm not practicing, but I'm just looking at it and saying, Hey, there's, there's something here with this. Right. Because so many people have these wild sexual appetites and where does it come from? An act that, when practiced properly, is an amazing experience that has been perverted. It's been perverted in so many ways. It's ruined countless lives. It's damaged so many people. And... We have to rewire the way that we think. And if you have weird, unnatural, I'm saying unnatural, if you have different sexual thoughts that fall outside of the realm of what is acceptable, you should talk to somebody about it. Because obviously you're not the only person experiencing it. But when I talked about earlier, you know, having behavior that that's ignorant bad behavior. You don't want to become a predator. Let's like like hold on. Let's take the ignorant off, right? Let's let, let's talk about bad thoughts. Bad be. Let's have bad. Let's get these bad thoughts out of your head before it becomes bad behavior. You know because it's not okay. It's not okay to continue seeing these things. The, all of these people of influence who are losing their platforms or losing their livelihoods because they have these nasty sex lives. And don't get me wrong. I'm all about holding these people accountable and then rehab rehabilitating these people from their, their demons. 
but let's attack it. Let's find it before it manifests. You know, so many, so many of our solutions to problems in this culture is dealing with the issue after the fact. That doesn't do shit for the victim. And it doesn't do shit for the perpetrator either. Let's actually approach problems before they happen. Let's see this problematic behavior. If you see somebody who's predatorial in nature, somebody who's obsessed with power and dominating people, let's 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 get them some some help. If if you are exposed to sex a little bit earlier than your brain is able to handle it, or you have not been properly educated on sex, let's let's get a hold of that. Parents, talk to your kids about sex. Don't wait for the teachers to teach them. Don't wait for their friends to teach them. Have an open conversation with your kid about sex. It's not that taboo. It's not like, oh my God, we're talking about sex. Eventually, they're likely going to do it. They need to do it in order to keep the population going for the most part. Obviously, there are other ways to have kids nowadays other than just having sex. But a lot of us have sex to have kids. Let's teach it the right way. A lot of us have sex, consensual sex, for fun. Let's talk about it so we teach it the right way. And maybe we don't have as many sexual predators in this world. Now, I'm not accusing T.I. of being a sexual predator. Those other women have. Those, those nine clients that have that have been added to this thing, they, have, they are accusing him of that. I'm not accusing him of that. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm going to let, let this play out. But I'm speaking to the behavior, and that's unacceptable behavior, and we need to do all that we can to, to fight it, man. It's like I say, we got to take care of we, – we as a society have to ensure that we're taking care of our women. It, it, it's International Women it, – you know, it's a day after International Women's Day. Got to take care of our women. Got to take care of our men too, but we got to take care of our women. We, we, we have to treat them fairly. We have to, to – to you know, man, look, we just got to do right by them. And hey, man, that's all I got for you. I'm going to be back tomorrow with my guy, Juju. We're going to be talking about Platter Boys. We're going to be talking about his career as an A&R and some other things that he's done in the music industry. I think it's going to be a, I don't think, it's going to be a great conversation. He's a guy I went to Morehouse with, and now he's doing a lot of good stuff, actually. He's doing some really good stuff, and I'm just going to use that opportunity to let him tell his story. We'll share some laughs, some jokes and stuff like that. Uh, I got Poncho coming on at the, uh, on Thursday. We're going to, we're going to talk about his career, his music and what he has going on for himself because he's getting ready to drop a new project. And then I may come back on Friday and do a little NFL hour with Dak getting his paycheck. Uh, We'll see. We'll see about Friday, but I definitely got two more shows this week. Like, subscribe, rate, review, follow, all of that stuff. Love y'all. Big baby at.